Welcome to the Real Talk with Dana podcast. I'm your host, Dana Monsi's licensed dietitian, nutritionist, and body image coach. On this show, you'll learn how to listen to and trust your body instead of trying to control it. We'll dig into the healing power of nutrition from a non-diet, weight-inclusive, health-at-every-size approach. My guests and I will guide you through how to heal from digestive issues and hormonal imbalances, all while making peace with food and your body without obsession or restriction. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Real Talk with Dana podcast. On today's episode, we are continuing with this month, January's theme of pursuing true health and feeling good without diets or protocols. So we're going against the grain here and providing a welcoming alternative to the traditional shame-based January New Year's resolutions culture. So as you guys know, on this show, one of my main goals is to show you how you can pursue true health and actually feel great from the inside out without doing diets or cycling through elimination protocols. Because remember, no matter what all of the January crazy marketing is throwing at you right now, if those things actually worked long-term, you wouldn't have to do them year after year, month after month to actually feel good. On today's episode, we are digging deeper into our mindset and how it can provide either a roadblock or unlock the key to our healing, especially when it comes to healing our body image and our relationship with food. Lana Schlafer is a mindset coach, the podcast host of Manifest That Miracle, and also the author of the book, you guessed it, Manifest That Miracle, learn why you don't have what you want and how to get it. So on today's episode, Lana and I are chatting about first her personal story of overcoming an eating disorder after immigrating to the AOS at age 12, how she figured out what her personal roadblocks to healing were by finding her root cause of her relationship with her body, the benefits of talk therapy versus somatic or body-focused therapy, how your body holds a story of all of your past experiences, and then finally, why forgiveness is essential for optimal health and healing. Tell the audience a little bit more about you and your personal story. And I know you mentioned you've had a difficult past with your relationship with food and your body. So talk about that. So, I mean, I think that for a lot of people, uh, you know, their health, their eating, their exercise, their self-identity really stems from things they experienced in childhood, because that's where we learn how, you know, what is the appropriate quote unquote way to behave and how we form our priorities and ways of looking at the world. So for me, I grew up in Russia and I came to the U S when I was 12. And so for me, the big, like shift and the pain point was that I was sort of ripped off from everything I knew and all my relatives and came, even though life in Russia was very difficult, it's what I knew. And I had friends and I was great at school and, you know, all the things. And then I, get plopped in a country where I don't speak the language, where I'm just here with my mom, dad, and brother. And that's all the people I know in this entire side of the world. And um, as I sort of try to you know, adjust to life here, it was also middle school and a lot of teenage and, and body changes and control norms. And so for me, it ended up manifesting that I started controlling my food as a way I think to just feel like I have some control over my life. And 
it was subtle at first, you know, where I just had a lot of emotions looking back. I didn't know that at the time. I had a lot of emotions. I didn't know what to do with them. I obviously had hormonal things happening as well. And it started in high school where I just found that if I just eat less and I'm thinner, I would get more attention. And I also felt like I was more in charge of my life. And then it progressed through college where it turned into binge eating. And it got really bad when my parents got divorced. So that my little world, which was already not very stable, totally fell apart. Even though it was a great thing overall, it was a very challenging time. Being in a school, a lot of pressure. I went to one of the top universities at UC Berkeley. I was taking a full load of class. Like it was a lot of pressure. And so I feel like the eating and exercising it was, it's always a double-edged sword. And I talk about that in my book. So, and it's just my philosophy so often that it was the thing that was the weakest link that was sort of showing me the cracks, but it's also what brought in so much light. Rumi has this great, great quote that it's through the cracks that the light enters. And for me, it was this, um, thing that I wanted to get rid of, a body that I didn't like and tried to control, um, the anxiety that I had, the controlling. I mean, I would be having my day in 15-minute increments and everything that I need to eat to be planned out. And it was so um, painful. I mean, I, I realized that it was a problem. I told my parents I should get checked into a, like a facility because I'm not doing okay. And them being the, the kind of Russian culture, they're like, you're fine. Just get through school. You know, I, it led me to start therapy, to learn about intuitive eating, to start yoga, to like, it took me in the direction that now I've been moving in for the rest of my life. But at the time I couldn't see the whole picture. So it was very painful. And it's one of my greatest accomplishments to this day. And I have a lot of things that I describe as miracles. My book is called Manifest That Miracle because I literally could not imagine that at the time, which is that I have not only completely healed whatever that means, quote unquote, my eating disorder. I have such a loving and supportive relationship with my body. I eat what I want when I want. I move how I want. It's all about taking care of myself and having had the pregnancies. I had a twin pregnancy and then a single pregnancy. All of that has taken me deeper into honoring myself and creating a relationship with my reality that really feels like it is based on love and support and understanding. So the fact that I can say that from where I was seemed like a miracle. Like I did, I thought that for the rest of my life, I'm going to have these issues and I'm just going to try to manage them. And it's really easy to feel that way when you're in it, right? So yeah. when you were in it, what were some of the things that you either experienced or you saw? Like what were your, on the one hand, motivating factors to get you out of that cycle? And then how did you start to get out of it? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I feel like all the emotional work was by far what got me to the root of it more than even the intuitive eating books that I was reading and um, doing a lot of mindfulness practices it all started really in college for me. I, I felt like they all got at a piece of the puzzle. Like in yoga, I started learning about connecting with my body. Like I remember my yoga teacher saying, connect with your organs today and like your kidneys and your liver. And they, they're serving you 24 hours a day without asking. And I started bawling in the middle of Shavasana because I was like, I mistreat you so much. I, 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 I had such, um, um, you know, I don't even know what the right word is, like a fighting relationship with my body. I did not feel like we were taking care of each other. And, um, and that was helpful, but I still couldn't get to the root of 
how I can now develop something that, you know, it's generational pattern. My mom didn't like her body very much. Her mom didn't. I mean, it stems from so many ancestral lineages that I felt so very small. And my way out started through awareness and it became to realize that the emotional, um, let me kind of backtrack. I feel like it's partly being Russian and it's another part, just my personality. Like it's not nurture, it's nature. I'm a very intense person. I'm a very emotive person. And in Russian culture, that's very accepted. You can just tell somebody how you feel. And in California, that was not accepted. I lost a lot of friends. I was a very like not... you know, fitting in type of kid. Um, and then when I got to college, still these social norms were not acceptable. And I realized that I had tried to suffocate this and, and like suppress and depress and repress and press, press, press. And the, the control was helping me do that. So when I realized that, what am I trying to suppress? What am I trying to repress? What is this thing that is so bad about me that I hate so much? That was really the root. And that is that I had messages from well-meaning parents and and in my environment, and then later as I came to the U.S. as an immigrant, that I was, um, I was not uh, nice, more like I needed to change in order to make other people feel okay. That how I was was not okay, so I needed to change. And when I went really deep into this, but this wasn't until maybe the last decade, is my mom was a very young parent, you know, we were so poor. It was so difficult. I mean, she was a kid when she had me practically, but unintentionally having two kids at a young age, I felt like just by my existence, I brought her pain. So I had been fighting my existence. That's a very, <laughs> you know, fundamental sort of fight that you will lose because you exist. And so that was the kind of work that got me. So, you know, you could describe it as trauma work. I never going to, to, um, to graduate school for counseling, for psychology and realizing that how much of this was carried in my body, right? And how our bodies really carry our stories and carry our experiences and carry our beliefs, which is why a lot of people find a limit in talk therapy. It can get you so far, but you also need to really access the body that is carrying all of these memories and experiences and pain, but it also carries your intuition and your dreams and your joy. Like it carries everything. And when you start to unlock that, that is when you really experience the kind of healing that leaves you feeling not just whole and really in honor and reverence of yourself and your body, but opens up possibilities that were not even on the horizon, uh, you know, before you sort of did this healing work. So I don't know if that answered your question. I feel like it was the, the process and the journey that healed me, not any specific thing, but going to the root was the most powerful part of that. Yeah. And I mean, that is going to be ultimately the hardest thing to do and the most healing thing to do, right? Even in functional medicine and functional nutrition, we talk about, you know, if you do the surface stuff, you might help with some of the symptoms, but you're not actually yeah. going to get to the root of why you have those symptoms in the first place. And especially when we're talking about, you know, relationship with food, relationship with our bodies, it's not, the food isn't the problem, right? It's so much deeper than that. And it's funny yeah. when you were saying like in California, definitely where it wasn't accepted for who I was, you would have been fine in New Jersey. I'm just saying is where my whole family is from. I end up in the wrong there. state. <laughs> 
but nobody wants to come to New Jersey when they're immigrating anyways. <laughs> I might have had more Russians around me too. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you you might have. Um, okay, I love that. Thank you for sharing all of that. So um, I wanted to ask about if you could talk a little bit more, you know, we talked about talk therapy and like it can be really helpful but for people who hold their trauma and their experience and a lot of their reasons for going into these controlling patterns in their body, it's not going to be, well, for a lot of people, it might not be the thing that really unlocks that. So can you talk about other modalities that are, you see are helpful for either yourself or for the clients that you see? Yeah. So the kind of clients that I work with personally are people who have sort of reached the end of the rope with a lot of traditional modalities. And that also is a lot of times traditional like nutritionists and um, medicine and and they have benefited from it from some way and they've done the therapy and they've maybe been to workshops and retreats and yet there's something that it's two things one is they cannot understand why they can't shift it that's a big sign i i i pride myself on um people who go through my program you will never again not understand why something is happening because, and this was from my grad school, they said, healing is actually making meaning. When you can see the meaning of it, that's a huge part of the healing. It's like in context, it changes the content, right? And so the traditional talk therapy, which is hard to to put it all in one basket, because I really feel like it's like talking about movement. I mean, there's a million types of movement, right? And it's all different with different purposes. But in, in a kind of overarching sense. Um, you know, traditional therapy was designed to take you from not okay to okay. Dysfunctional, where you have something on the DSM, right? We are diagnosed with something that is preventing you from being able to have, quote unquote, a normal um, life, job, family, relationships, and so on. It was not designed to take you from, okay, I'm okay. Like I'm functioning. I'm not a raging alcoholic. I don't have, you know, severe depression. I don't have, um, you know, maybe multiple personalities, but I, we are in this incredible age that I honestly feel like generations before us didn't get to access this, this age of self-fulfillment and self-realization. This was reserved for the very few like yogis over the last millennia who have achieved some level of whatever they needed to achieve and then would go live in the mountains, right? This self-fulfillment where they got to focus on what actually has meaning and purpose. What is my destiny? What is fulfillment? What is satisfaction? What is happiness? My parents didn't get to ask those questions in their time. They were trying to survive, right? And I think that's for most of our previous generations. But here we are with these new, bigger existential questions with not a whole lot of answers. And I feel like, again, traditional therapy was not designed for us. So that's where coaching came in and human potential and law of attraction and all of these mindset sort of principles come in. I really feel like I stand at the bridge of those. My training was in somatic psychology, transpersonal psychology and mind-body psychotherapy. So it's connecting the mind and the body. So I feel like What I learned is that, and this is something I really fought and argued, but I have come to really stand behind the statement that all wounding is created in relationships or in relationship and all healing can only be created in relationship. So it's in relationship to that thing. And it's also in relationship, meaning you have a container of healing. A lot of times the the therapist or the coach or the healer is there to provide a container within which you can develop a new relationship with those same memories, experiences, circumstances, ideas, beliefs, and so on. So 
Um, I'm a huge fan of somatic psychology. So soma means body. So there are many modalities of this. Hakomi is one that was developed in, in the Bay Area. And I, my one big regret is that I didn't get to do that training and I got pregnant and, and all of this stuff happened and I didn't get to pursue that. But someday maybe it is... Um, for practitioners, typically for therapists, but for other practitioners to learn to deepen and understand the mind-body connection. And how I saw it is that one of my teachers in grad school, she could read the body. I mean, I'm at that point now, but it took me so many years. And I looked at her level of mastery then. She could look at somebody and they will just tighten their jaw and she could already interpret what was happening in their body. She knew when somebody was going to cry, she'd literally get a box of tissues before the person ever had a first, like she could read the body because the body is this beautiful, unfiltered biofeedback of what is really happening. Now in our mind, we can twist it. We can try to be an actor and put on a mask, but for somebody who has a lot of, you know, perception that they've developed what's underneath, they can really read this. So the, the body focused work that connects the mind and the body, it allows you to do somatic experiencing. It allows you to, um, you know, a lot of like the ayahuasca and the psychedelics in a controlled setting, which is starting to happen more and more, have had tremendous benefits for people to be able to sort of step out of just living neck up and connecting what they are experiencing in their brain and in their mind to their bodies. So there are a lot of ways to do this breath work. Um, there's traditional breath work in yoga. There's holotropic breath work where you get to relive certain experiences. The, the sort of overarching theme is connect your body to what you're experiencing in any healing modality. And then you get to develop a relationship with your body. So I don't just tell you, oh, you're tightening your jaw, typically a sign uh, that you are withholding something. So what's happening right now that I'm noticing in your body? By doing that, I'm sort of showing each client how they can start to notice this about themselves. So they start to understand, oh, if I'm getting this pressure over here, this is an indicator that I've just taken on too much and put myself at the bottom of my priority list. So it's not that my body's punishing me or I need to go take a bunch of pills, fix it, or I need to become more superhuman. It's that my body's trying to take care of me and I'm ignoring these signals. And back to the diet and the eating disorders. I had so many signals that I was not on the track I wanted to be, but I ignored them and I was trying to suppress them. And now that I don't ignore them, I can unlock the messages of my body. And it is amazing how it guide me towards what I truly want. And what is interesting about that is in this culture, it is encouraged that we ignore many of those symptoms, which then it, and whether we're talking about food and diets, or we're talking about fitness, or we're talking about business, or just the culture of like, oh, just push through. And everyone is so like masochistic in the 21st century of like, oh, you only got two hours of sleep. Amazing. Or wow, you worked for 48 hours straight. Oh my God, I could never do that. But under like, on the one hand, you're like, oh my God, what's wrong with them? But then on the other side, they're like, wow, I could never do that. And it's praise, you know? And so then people wonder why we become so disconnected from our bodies because we've been basically conditioned to and told that you need to disconnect from your body because you can't trust your body because you can't listen to your body signals because, oh my God, if you do that, you're going to gain weight. And that is the worst thing that anyone could ever do in this world. But also, if you listen to your body, you wouldn't be listening to these people and you wouldn't be doing those things. There's no way you'd work 48 hours. I don't care if it's the Pope that came down and asked you. Like, it would not be something that you would disregard. You would not disregard your own 
internal messages. You know, you, and we go through this process, obviously as babies, babies have their wants and their needs, and they are not going to be polite about it. Right. <laughs> like they're going to express. And my daughter would cry so loudly. I mean, it was the loudest cry I've ever, and she could still has a very loud voice. And it was like, she was not going to be satisfied until her need was met, whatever it was. We're biologically built in. I mean, it is impossible for us to disconnect from our body truly, right? Only when you're dead and then you go off into whatever realm without a body, right? So we're trying to do the impossible, which is why we're feeling so exhausted. And the biggest shift that people experience, it's like they didn't expect. Sure, they came to me because they wanted to, you know, create a relationship that's based on love and support. And maybe they've had a series of very unsupportive relationships or they want to get pregnant or they want to cross that threshold in their business and it feels just out of reach. But the side effect that they inevitably end up having is, oh my God, I feel so different. I have so much more energy because it's what I call, they don't have these energy drains and energy leaks. Like that weight that they've been carrying all the time that you're not even aware that you're carrying. So you feel so much lighter. You're like, I can do so much now because I'm not so burdened. But it does require for you to prioritize, well, first of all, be aware of your own needs and then prioritize them not above anybody else's needs because that, that whole thing is just so outdated. This like, if I you know, um, prioritize my kids, um, how would I not prioritize my kids essentially? It's like putting yourself below your family members or your boss or whatever. And it's like, you, know, you don't need to, it's not a, a competition. I'm just saying, include yourself in that priority so that you are one of the priorities that you have, right? Just don't put yourself at the bottom of it because that's never going to end well. And the truth is it's going to backfire on everybody who you're interacting with because at a certain point you are going to get louder and louder signals from the body, right? And you're going to get diseases, dis-ease, no ease, no connection, right? Complete disconnect. So your body is going to say, hey, we're completely off track here. This is not going in the direction where you want to go. And it's going to give louder and louder signals. So when you start to understand that, you can even look at the discomfort in your body as a gift. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of the time when people are trying to figure out like, you know, what is my root cause? Like, where is all of this stuff coming from? Whether it's a health condition or up leveling your business or trying to figure something out with your family or whatever it is. I know one of the things that you like to talk about is what people are commonly looking for on the outside can only be found on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think that once you know that you'll start looking and you are right that our culture has not encouraged. And I think for women, even less so, um, there's just so much focus on the facade of, of us that it, is not, you know, common, but just because it's not common, doesn't mean it's not possible. And look, you have Google and YouTube and you can go get my book and you like, (laughs) like the excuses of this are just, you know, if you want it, it's yours. You want to heal, it's yours. And it doesn't have to be so complicated. And it certainly isn't going to take you as long to heal as you've been carrying the wounding. That's the great part is you can heal all of these patterns in a relatively short amount of time when you work at the root. And that's when people are like, Oh, it's miraculous. I'm like, it's not miraculous. You're just now, you are now aligning with the way that your body has intended to be and the way that you've come in here as a deliberate creator, not as a constant regurgitator of everything that your family has done and all the pressures that you're carrying and just working in order to survive and to fulfill some sense of identity that is not even satisfying to you. 
I love that. Create, don't regurgitate. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I no. absolutely love that. <laughs> I, I feel like it's so simple when you recognize that when you fight yourself, like, so part of, of my schooling was around family systems and you have different, it's like team members, right? I'm not really into sports. So I'll probably butcher this analogy, but let's imagine a basketball team and everybody has a role, right? And if like one player is not showing up or not playing the way they're used to, it completely discombobulates the system and creates a, a disharmony somewhere, right? And so we have these internal systems within us, our internal you know, parts of us that judge ourselves that probably come from a parental figure or authority somewhere. You have the parts of you that's like maybe your inner child that is really not having its needs met because the parents couldn't meet the needs or the caretakers. And now you've just continued that because that's what was been being modeled for you. So you have this inner family. And when you fight any other part of you, when parts of you fight within you, you lose. No matter who wins, you lose. And when you can understand that you can create this inner harmony, and when all the parts of you are working together. So people say, well, I want to feel free and I want to like do these adventures, but I also, for example, you know, I'm scared of traveling a lot because of my eating and my sleep and blah, blah. So they want the freedom and they want the security. And these parts of them are warring. And so they're constantly at this tension. But when you really create a dialogue and a relationship and a communication between them, you can start to realize that you can create the kind of travel adventure and expansion that feels secure and safe to you. You can have both. It is always both. And it, this world is not either or. These black and white sort of dualities is not it, the nature of reality. So when you fight against that, you will always lose. And that's why I think a lot of us feel like, well, I do feel like I'm losing and I'm exhausted. And I know that I was there for so many years. I'm just obstinate enough to stop my life for many years to try to figure this out. <laughs> I was like, I, I was just so low. I couldn't keep going. And I very quickly achieved a lot of success by like my early to mid twenties. I was in investment banking. I had six figure salary, jet sitting around the world, everything that I thought I wanted. My body was for all intents and purposes, beautiful on the outside, but I felt more and more miserable. That's when I was like, I don't even want to live. So it can't be about achieving these things. Yeah. So I know one other thing that you love to talk about in terms of health, mental, emotional, physical is forgiveness. So can you talk about why forgiveness is so important and like essential for achieving optimal health? I talk about forgiveness in a very different sense because I embrace all emotions. So I describe in my book, your emotions as an emotional keyboard. And so you have the, the lower notes, right? The deeper tones that could be uh, the powerlessness and the, the anger, the, you know, disappointment, whatever it is. And then you have the middle notes that are maybe like hopeful or maybe bored, like something in between. And you have the high notes, which is like love, freedom, ecstasy, bliss, right? And that, the point, as I see it, is to create a masterpiece from all the notes. It is not to say, I just want to stay on these high notes and go, ning, 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 ning. that's not a masterpiece. That's when the, the, the spiritual bypassers, the people that are all loving life, they start to sound annoying to, to most of the people around them because they're just one-toned. Also, when you're only on the heavy notes, like, duh, 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 that's also quite heavy, right? The truth is emotions is energy in motion, emotion. It's meant to flow. So being able to play the scale. And so forgiveness 
to me, inherently involves moving through the emotions. So there is a feeling of powerlessness or sadness or whatever it was that, you know, your needs were not met. You were disregarded. You were not valued. You were not seen. You were um, not treated as a human being or the way that you feel is honorable to you. You got to really feel that. There's no forgiveness without acknowledging that this was painful. This caused me pain. This was not right. This was not good from, from some perspective. And then you can start to play the, the other notes, which is, look, it happened. Like at some point you got to get to acceptance of it happened. And then you could start to unlock what were some of the things that came out of this experience that brought me meaning and value. Because the worst of the worst experiences are frequently the ones that are our biggest portals, you know, the, the, to bring the light in like it was for me. The biggest pain led to the biggest gain. And so when you connect those two, forgiveness to me is when you realize, look, that was terrible or horrible and I wouldn't wish that on anyone, but it happened. And it made me stronger and it made me smarter and it made me develop this and that and the other. It made me in some way who I am. And so I am not grateful for the, in, you know, all of the elements of it, but I see that it was a valuable experience and I am at a place of appreciation for who I've become. Then it's not really that you're forgiving somebody else. They're largely irrelevant right? Maybe there's a piece there that you need to express to somebody your anger and your frustration out loud. But a lot of times when you really feel it and you experience that in a healing environment, which is what a great coach or a therapist could provide, sometimes a great friend, when you really allowed those emotions to move through and felt them in your body, which is another key, because it'll frequently feel like a rock in your in your stomach or like a wedge in your heart. Like you really got to allow yourself. It's almost like cleansing out, you know, a wound. If you had it, you sort of got to go all the way into it, right? That's the part that most people avoid. But look, if you've already got a gaping wound, if you don't clean it out, you can't just put a bandaid on it and say some affirmations and call it a day. That is not forgiveness. Just to be clear, <laughs> right? I mean, you can, you can only pretend for so long. And if it's something that is recurring and that if you think about it still and it brings you pain, that means that there is some un, unhealed part of it. And so look at it as, a, as an opportunity to connect with that part of you that has never received that healing and that closure. The great thing is you don't need the perpetrator or the circumstances to be different for you to create it and receive it. You hold the key for that, right? And when you experience that kind of healing, when you say, you know, that thing was horrible and terrible and awful and it was painful. And it, for example, for example, showed me that I can actually move through something like this. And it made me maybe more compassionate or it made me wiser in some way. And look at what I've built as a result and how I treat people around me differently now. Then at that point, that gratitude starts to transform that entire experience. And you know, you've healed or forgiven, quote unquote. When you think about that same situation, but the emotional charge is no longer negative. It's now sort of like, you know, I made it. I'm proud of myself. Like it's like a pat on the back and a hug more than like uh, getting, you know, your, your ax out to go try to kill someone. Right. So 
forgiveness ultimately is something that we get to create for ourselves, not for anybody else. And the price of not forgiving is too high. It is, you know, like that saying, the poison that we are taking, wanting somebody else to, you know, to sort of get sick or die. Like it, it, it is us who ends up suffering. So forgiveness is never about forgiving anybody else. It is about you reclaiming your own power, trust, and respect. I love that. <laughs> that was so great and like so empowering. And I hope that everyone who listens to that is like, yeah, I'm going to go do the thing, whatever it is. <laughs> so there is there's an exercise in my book. I talk about it. It's a, being a love letter to your body. And I have a specific process. Um where you get to like talk to your body as a collection of the experiences that it carries. You know, maybe you had abuse as a child, maybe you um, felt disregarded, you know, uh, or, or, you know, there was an injustice or inequity. You know, when I work, especially with women or minorities, people of color, I'm very, very aware of it. And I will frequently encourage them to be like, look, like this is carried in your body. So let's really move into that. Your body is carrying all of this, again, generational ancestral trauma. You can't take that away, meaning you can't make it not happen, but you can be the healing for all these generations. And for me, a huge motivator is my kids. The buck stops with me. I do not want these patterns to continue to as much as I can do the healing, right? I want them to have an opportunity to see that they get to create the reality they want and that they, anything can be healable. And so I, 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 I got to do that healing myself. Like that's how I show them that it's possible. Right. And I feel like that creates a totally new pattern, generational pattern. I think of myself as, as sort of a, a bridge to the new between all of the generations before me. And as I, you know, launch my, my kids and, and the future generations, I hope to deliberately create a new, um, a new paradigm for them. Yeah, I love that. And then we can, you know, do some structural rewiring, hopefully, yeah. and get rid of these shitty systems that have gotten here, us here in the first place. Yeah. See, this is really a perfect opportunity. If I may coach you for just a second, <laughs> we can't get rid of anything. And as soon as we call it shitty or bad, we can't really receive the full value and gifts of it. So it's a fine line to walk, right? And you didn't say it in a way that was supercharged, which is why I can just sort of move into it. You said it with a sense of humor and empowerment because it's not about the words, really. It's about the energy. And with that same sense, whenever we say, I don't want this, I deny this, this isn't for me, resisting resistance creates more resistance. Embracing resistance and saying, this is shitty and unacceptable and it hurts and I see the pain. I want to be a part of the healing process. And I'm going to take the shitty shit and I'm going to make it into fertilizer. And you just watch what's going to grow out of the shit. <laughs> we don't need lemonades. We're fertilizing over here. <laughs> I love that. Oh my God. Well, Lana, this has been great. Thank you such for, so much for coming on today. Tell people where they can find you all of the places. 
Yeah. So the best way I think to start is to get my book, Manifest That Miracle. It's on Amazon. It's on Audible. It's an audiobook. It's in stores. It's on my website, you know, wherever you could find me. And I feel like that will give you a really good understanding. And also I have other like meditations and things that I sort of suggest in the book that I think will give you the next steps towards this journey and the exercises. The book is very heavy on practical um, elements and not just rhetoric. And find me on social media because I live for connections. It's one of my highest like values in life. And so if something in this interview like really connected with you in this conversation, I hope you will let both of us know and tag us on social media. I'm on Instagram, on Facebook, um, YouTube, just so that this is something that is a dialogue that is hopefully serving you and we can continue this conversation beyond this episode. Love that. Well, thank you again for coming on. Oh, and I didn't say the link, lanashlafer.com. That's my website. <laughs> and manifestthatmiracle.com is the book website. So either one of those will give you all the information. And thank you so much, Dana. That was such a great conversation. I'm so happy that you are doing this work and having these conversations and standing for um, like a holistic approach to, 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 to the body, to the health, and also to life. And I feel like we need all of our voices <laughs> to do this. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> hey there. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk with Dana podcast with me, your host, Dana, obviously. And I just wanted to say you're the best. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your family and friends. Maybe send a five-star rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Why would you do that, you ask? Because this helps more people find the show so that we can spread the food and body peace word, break down diet culture, and the unrealistic beauty standards that make us all feel like we need to shrink ourselves with food and exercise in order to be worthy in the world, which sucks. For discussion on the show episodes, if you want to request a guest or ask a question, if you'd like some support, please join the non-diet community on Facebook, which is a free group where you can go get some community and support. I'll see you over there and see you next week.